this white tape. So front wheel to here. So, okay. Can you do it? Okay, I'll try. But okay. I'm not doing the skinny again. No, no, no. Just go to the top of that hill here and then turn around. We'll just do this section because we have the full, we can do whatever we want. And that was our, our very own coach, Peter Glassford, doing some coaching with um, with a smaller rider. And that was at Sea Otter Canada, which wrapped up recently. Uh, welcome to the Cycling Magazine podcast. With me is Dan, who was also at Sea Otter Canada. Yeah, no, I remember uh, seeing Coach Glassford there helping out the little Groms on the pump track. Very cute. Yeah, they're getting some some mad knowledge at a at an early age, so they'll be better bike handlers than us. Oh, I know. At this it's age, so, at our ages, it's so devastating. It's a bit like when you are at a cross race and like the U12s go out, and you're like, oh, they're railing that corner faster than I am. Mm-hmm. And so this one here was already better than I would do on the pump track. So we're going to look back at some magic moments from Sea Otter. We were recording there uh, throughout the weekend. It was a great cycling festival yeah, to I kick off the summer. Yeah, I was super impressed with the dual slalom. Mm. Yeah, those guys look like they're skiing. If you've ever watched like a, a slalom ski race during the Olympics, those guys are carving up corners just like they're on edges and blades like on skis. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, was quite the clinic on how bad I am at turning. <laughs> And we also are going to have full send, no send once again. Um, how much of the topics do we want to give away? Ooh, let's just say we're going to touch on some of the grievances I brought up last week. Yes, yes. I may even say, admit that you had a point. Anyway, we'll get to that later. We'll get to it. In the final part of the show, our mountain bike editor, Terry McCall, will speak with Lonnie Hull, who is the founder of Structure Cycle Works. It's a company based in Calgary. Um, Hull and his group do some pretty cool things with front suspension. It's a linkage system. It looks pretty far out, uh, at least to my eyes. Um, But uh, Terry's going to delve into that with uh, Mr. Hull. But first, let's head back to Blue Mountain. Here at Canadian Cycling Magazine, we kicked off summer in style. A bunch of us headed to the recent Sea Otter Canada Cycling Festival in Blue Mountain, Ontario. Here's what we got into on the shores of Georgian Bay. Hello everyone, we're here at Sea Otter. This is Matthew Puro, editor of Canadian Cycling Magazine. I'm with Dan, as always. Hey Dan. Matthew, how's it going? You sweating your life out? It's so hot here. I saw uh, Trex Herman, the sheep, the, the merino sheep, sweating as well. But... And uh, we're also joined uh, by uh, uh, Matt Stetson, who is our photographer, photo editor. He wears a bunch of hats. He's got a wide-brimmed hat right now. And he's also going to be riding the Enduro. How are you feeling about that? Uh, pretty good, thanks, Matt. I've uh, been a long-time listener, first-time guest. So, uh, first time, long time. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Yeah, usually you have to listen to us recording and we just shush you from, from our recording studio. Yeah, so it's nice to be on the other side of the mic or door this time. <laughs> but we're in the great outdoors and the Enduro is two days away. Um, you probably just, just mostly know the course 
from uh, from checking it out on paper, but what's your feeling about it? Yeah, I took a look at the Trail Forks maps and tried to get some POV footage on YouTube just to get an idea about what it's like. I'm thinking, guessing it's going to be very bike park, bike park style oriented. So I think to get a good time, the, the racing is going to be fast and high speed um, as opposed to a little bit slower speed and technical um, that you'd see on some courses. So really interested to get some pre-riding in um, and see exactly what it has to hold. Uh, and the six stages means six times climbing up Blue Mountain. So uh, if it's going to be this hot out, it'll definitely be uh, interesting to see how the legs feel after uh, five trips up Blue Mountain. I have some good news for you. Um, I was, I think one of those uh, trips up, you get the lift. Well, that's some good news then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll look into that further. Our, our, our best folks are on it. Um, Dan, you've been uh, here at the expo and you've done some riding instead of the actual work you're supposed to be doing. Uh, some of us got here earlier than others, Matt, and did the work first. I did work before you guys even arrived. Mm-hmm. Witnesses? But anyways, I was <laughs> I was out there t doing some product testing. I had the Cannondale Topstone with the new Kingpin suspension. That was super cool. Took it up uh, some gnarly road, road climbs. Uh, but the vibes are good. Lots of people here checking out bikes. We've got some not-so-young kids on the uh, Kid Zone pump track here. Uh, yeah, I'm watching a full-grown man sort of do tail whips with a balance bike I sort of is that impressive <laughs> but yeah tomorrow we got the fondo and uh yeah it is the uh, office showdown the office throwdown uh, i'm not feeling throw downy right now it's um throw uppy let's throw downy um it's did everyone sign up for the 120 everyone except uh photo editor matt stetson well because he's doing an enduro so he's I he's got doing, the exemption, yes. He's, uh, he's doing the other O, the enduro, <laughs> not the fondo. Um, uh, yeah, so we're riding 120 clicks. Uh, it's a bit climby. They're, they're about two to four kilometer climbs. Definitely climby for us city folk. Uh, climbs like in, this in Toronto don't exist, and uh, we might be a little out of our element here, Matt. Possibly. Um, yeah, they're, they're usually averaging 3 to 4%, but there's some moments of 7%-ness. Um, It'll be steady, but, you know, teamwork makes the dream work or something like that. Well, yeah, I've seen us ride together as a quote-unquote team. I don't know about this. Anyway, um, the vibes are good here at Sea Otter. I'm, I'm digging them. Uh, we're here on the Friday, so I guess people cut work to come here. Big ups people who cut work. And uh, we'll see how the rest of the festival goes. Now, if you really didn't want to know how to cut work, check out Terry McCall's foolproof ways to get out of your office job to ride mountain bike story. <laughs> That's right. It's on our website. All right. Check it out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> and we're back with day two at Sea Otter. Uh, it's sunny. It was a bit cloudy. It looked a bit ominous, but... Um, uh, so far, it's looking like a good day, don't you think, Dan? Yeah, sun's out, vibes out, kids on the bike park, uh, kids on the pump track. Uh, we're right in front of the uh, what is the dual slalom. People are getting ready for the enduro. People are practicing. Uh, yeah, lots of good times. Lots of full face helmets. I feel so lame. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, we're definitely of the. Uh, Exposed face, exposed legs, no body armor crowd. No, I have no armor. Like, I don't wear ski goggles right now. I've never felt less rad. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, there's uh, we're by the Joyride pump track. We've commandeered the uh, the Bateman's tent yeah. for our, our little chat here. No, it's uh, hiding in some shade, and uh, it was a even though it was cooler this morning, it was a hot one on the Fondo. Yes, we both did the Fondo. Actually, lots of our crew from uh, Canadian Cycling Magazine did the Fondo. It was hot. Uh, it was hot, fast. It was, it was fast. It was stressful. I had a stressful night last night. I feel so bad. Tell us, tell us about some of your stress. I need to get this off my chest, but my through axle essentially imploded on itself, getting sucked into the fork. So about 9.30 p.m. last night, I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't even get my my wheel out can't get it in properly this is not not a safe ride uh but big ups to uh neil and charlie with uh with cannondale for saving the day hooking us up with uh, a brand new system six and uh the bike is sweet but the tester's legs were not so sweet uh you had a sick whip but sick um, whip, uh but not a sick uh not a sick performance i uh, i blame all the stress and adrenaline from last night it's true it, it i'm sure that that built up that you the the stress the anxiety um but uh you enjoyed a coffee in collingwood oh yeah you know you know what it's never a bad day on the bike is it you know so you know despite the performance not being great uh we were still out there for a good time and uh it was a sweet bike all good all around you know that's right you, you found some positives you, you made lemonade um when life gives you lemons. I got you. Okay, got you. you're, you're yeah. looking oh, at me like... Okay. <laughs> My favorite moment though was uh, the guy who looked over at you and was like, oh, there's no way you made that Spaceballs reference. You're way too young. <laughs> that's right, that's right. There was a, we were making a Spaceballs jokes because my number was one, two, three, four, which is of course the combination an idiot puts on his luggage, which I after you know acknowledge mel brooks for writing that doozy and yes our fellow rider was like you're too young i do have a baby face it, I, I i can't fault him either what you gonna do you know what it's better this way than the other way around isn't it i ain't complaining i'll show you my id um it was a great fondo it was fast uh, there was three time sections uh, if you were smart i.e not me you would have chilled out in the non-time sections but uh um yeah, I still had a, a pretty good day out. I felt good. Well, I'm a little cooked right now, but no, it's I had a cool fun. format, uh, kind of like an enduro style format where you're uh, you're actually ranked based on the time sections, not your finishing finishing uh, result. So you know, it gets, gives you a good chance to race, to hammer, but then also to have a good group ride. So now we're going to chill out a bit. We're gonna hang out in the expo which is is the place to be today yeah it's uh definitely picking up there's some good vibes all around uh mm -hmm. we've had fun it looks fun and i'm gonna hopefully check in later with matt stetson to get um you know the news from someone who does put on armor yeah. and does put on a full <laughs> face uh helmet so um right we'll check in later thanks dan thanks matt Matt Stetson, you just did the Enduro at Blue Mountain. How did you find it? Now, I should add, you did the, the short course. There was the short course and the long course. Because of time stuff, you had sort of had, you couldn't stay out for the full day or the full, the full Enduro. But how was it? Um, yeah, it was, uh, the short course was good. I mean, it would have been great to do the long course, but time restrictions um, put me in the short uh, course category. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good day out on a mountain bike. 
Um, I wasn't sure what to expect from the course, um, and when I first arrived I thought maybe it was going to be um, a little bit more bike park focused uh, with some higher speed stuff um, as opposed to uh, some technical riding, but in reality, the course was uh, did have lots of technical sections, and it wasn't very bike parky, um, even though it did have some high speed berming and uh, a couple jumps and that kind of thing. So, was uh, pleasantly surprised by the course and what Blue Mountain has to offer in the uh, Gravity Trails department. Actually, how much like practice pre riding did you get get in? Um, well, I'd never ridden the trails at Blue Mountain before, as I said, but luckily, um, I was able to get out and pre-ride most of the stages. Um, I think the only stage I didn't get to ride was stage five, which was on a trail called, I believe, Embryo, uh, which was closed due to the Air DH course. Now they did reopen it later at night, um, but I wasn't able to make it back in time. But uh, uh, yeah, I was glad I did get to pre-ride some of the course um, before, yeah, going full on and racing in it. <laughs> and what bike did you have? Uh, so I was really stoked because I got to ride a Scott Ransom. Mm. Um, the Ransom's been out for a little bit now uh, from uh, in their enduro category. So it definitely is a full-on enduro bike. Um, it's definitely a little bit of a change from what I'm used to riding. I'm used to riding a lot less travel. So I am also glad that I got to pre-ride the course and get used to riding a bigger bike. Um, and it's just completely different ball game when you have that much travel and a little bit more weight. Yeah, so I was really glad to pre-ride the course on the Ransom and get used to the longer travel bike uh, because it was such an adjustment. So that was a definite bonus. Now, there was something funny going on with the tires, wasn't there? Um, it's been a while since I rode with tubes, but the Ransom, my Ransom, did come with tubes. Uh, it also came with really big downhill Maxxis tires. Uh, so I was pretty confident in their traction capabilities. So... I wasn't too worried about how hard I could push it. However, it was a bit of an adjustment uh, and the, the feel of the bike and just how the tires uh, reacted to the dirt. So yeah, it was uh, reminiscent of maybe 10 years ago when I did ride tubes, but uh, fun nonetheless. <laughs> was there a particularly hairy moment for you during this enduro? Uh, there certainly was. There were some definite hairy moments in practice, but probably my most um breathtaking moment was at the top of stage six uh there was a rocky um sort of step of uh, i'll call it shale but it's just a step down rock and the brutal part is i'd hit it three or four times before since it shared the start of stage one um and i guess i must have been going a little bit faster because my front wheel pushed out and there was definitely a scary moment there um but managed to save it um, and pull it together and not lose too much time on the way down on that stage. So uh, I guess it really wouldn't be a full gravity event if you didn't have at least one of those uh, uh-oh moments, and uh, that was mine. <laughs> You're a very experienced mountain biker. You've been doing it for years. I don't even know how long. But this is actually your, your first enduro. What's your, your big takeaway from doing this type of an event? Yeah, I guess looking back on it now, I uh, have been riding quite a long time, um, and especially on dirt and mountain bikes, and it certainly was my first gravity event, which to me even just sounds kind of weird, having ridden lots of times in pads and downhill, but never actually on the clock, whereas in cross country I'd done it you know, dozens of times before. Um, 
yeah, it, uh, it certainly was a different feel. I couldn't believe how tired I was at the end of such a short amount of riding. Um, usually when I'm tired on a bike, it's after a couple hours of riding, but I was tired after one hour of riding doing this enduro. Uh, so it was definitely quite the switch um, and a very cool experience. So in the enduro, you, you have the non-time sections where you're usually climbing to get to the top of a, of a bit of elevation to bomb down. But the, the bombing down, there's also, as, a, as has been explained to me, pedally bits. How are these like timed pedally bits in, in, in the equation? Yeah, so I think the big thing with that is uh, enduro is not downhill. Right. Um, and that's sort of something that is funny because having ridden so much in the past um, in cross country, enduro almost to me seems like the evolution of cross country because um, it's essentially what me and my friends were doing for years. Like we would just take our time getting to the top before we could all just race and send it to the bottom because to us that was the most fun part about riding was the downhills. Um, and you sort of just took the uphills as a consequence to the fun on the downhills. So with Enduro, it's sort of like we've already been doing this, even though it's new. Um, and now it's cool that they, you know, it's evolved into what it is now and you time the downhills. Um, so as a result, um, in a normal downhill course, obviously we have super technical, super or much shorter courses. Where Enduro, it's longer. So you'll be linking technical sections together on a single downhill. So it requires a lot of pedaling, um, even on the downhill stages. And unfortunately, that pedaling is usually sprinting because you're on the clock and you're already going pretty fast. So it's insanely physical. And I was lucky to have uh, the lockout that I could switch back and forth real quick um, in between sections. But that was another thing I wasn't prepared for was just the absolute full on effort it requires to sprint a bicycle like time after time. Again, the difference between cross country is significant. You're sort of at a much more steady pace over the whole um, day, whereas the enduro, you're basically either full on or sort of just recovering spinning. How democratic is this event? Like, what were the various abilities? Uh, and not only that, what's the vibe in this event? Is it cutthroat? Are you guys killers? Yeah, I was a little bit nervous um, when I was entered into the event or when I entered the event. Um, just because, again, I hadn't done any gravity before. And, you know, you see those guys hitting big jumps and they all have cool downhill helmets and goggles. And, um, yeah, I was worried about, you know, the bro vibe going into it. But uh, as soon as I started talking to other racers and riders, uh, even pre-riding and up till um, the day of the race, everybody was nothing but nice. Um, I think that it's really a good way to get that gravity, that like-minded community together um, on a great set of trails. Um, and everybody's sort of feeding off one another with their energy. And on race day, everybody's super nice to each other. Um, everybody was sort of offering encouragement. It was everything from kids up to older adults and everybody uh, just was, it was a really great vibe. I don't think intimidating wasn't the word I would use at all. Um, certainly the, the race organizers were insanely welcoming. Um, and yeah, I had a great time and I, I'm sure most of the other people at the event did as well. Um, certainly my friends that I talked to. 
So there's likely to be another enduro in your near future. Man, I certainly think that it'd be. Uh, I'd love to try another one. That's for sure. It's. Uh, it definitely gave me the bug a little bit. I think so. I'm gonna have to invest in a, a few more pads and maybe a little bit more travel. But uh, yeah, we'll just have to cross that uh, trail when it comes to it. I guess. Oh, I sense an N plus one moment coming. <laughs> Matt, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matt. The Sea Otter Cycling Festival ran from July 5th to 7th. It will return next year. We're back with Full Send, No Send, and also back for this edition is the stopwatch. Yes. Producer Adam has put on these constraints again. If you have any complaints, please complain to whatever email address we give at the end of the show podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca i want adam's personal one no (laughs) i think i think adam's onto something we got a bit rambly last episode uh but we we had a reason to but we're gonna get laser focused with five minutes on the clock all right five minutes starting now okay full send no send on something you said last episode um uh i'm you had issue with the Giro Rosa's timing right in the middle of the tour. Mm-hmm. You said it's not good for business. It's not good for women cycling. I think I was hesitant. I didn't even listen back to the tape, but I'm pretty sure I was <laughs> hesitant on your, you're just condemning the timing of it. Not, not the race, but the timing. Nope. And big fan of the race. Big fan. Um, I thought mm, maybe the glow of the Tour de France will pull up. I'm mixing you know, metaphors. Uh, rising tide uh, brings you. up all boats or ships. That's the that's one. That's the one. So I thought there'd be some of that action, but I feel that did not happen. I feel to mix more metaphors, uh, the tour sucks all the air out of the room. And uh, the you know, ju- as two people who have an incentive to actually keep a tab on what's going on in the cycling not world. Not only incentive, we are into it. Yes, into it, paid to do it maybe. And, uh, you know, if there's going to be anyone who's keeping tabs on both things... It would be us. Mm-hmm. And how much of the Giro did you watch? I followed it. Yes. But I did not watch it. Exactly. I confess. And I really wish I did not confess that on tape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the record, sir, that was zero record. minutes. Um, <laughs> okay. But so, this is exactly my point that I was trying to make, is that we love the sport. Canadians in the women's peloton are some of the best riders in there. Yep. And we still didn't watch any. With guilt. But one thing I did watch was a clip on Twitters mm-hmm. from Elisa Longo Borghini. And I will quote just one part of it. Uh, she said, okay, the alien has gone. Now the race for the human beings begins. She was talking about Annemiek Van Vluten's attack on stage five. Uh, Van Vluten won that stage. Then she won the next day's time trial. And then she won the race overall for the second year in a row. And so... The name Alien. Yes. Full send, no send on that being... A cool nickname. Or maybe full send, no send, is she throwing shade there? Okay. Well, so we have to decide. Um, and Maybe producer Adam will put in that clip right here. Uh, well, it was a really good performance. Were you there when Van Vluten attacked or... Yeah, yeah. I, um, well, I just uh, witnessed that. Uh, I was 
seeing that that Namik went and everybody was like okay the alien is gone now the race for the human being uh, begins and what you might have just heard <laughs> is Longo Borghini uh, talking about Annemiek van Vluten. Um, so we need to decide if um, Longo Borghini is talking about a benevolent alien from Krypton, say, like Supergirl, or some nefarious Area 51 stuff. Yeah, my first reaction is that coming from inside the Peloton, that is a... Backhand. No, it's not a compliment at all. She is making reference to something nefarious going nefarious. on there. You're saying, you think it's more this, area 51. I think this is tapping into the old Lakeep headlines uh, ad de vitesse, if you will. You know, when when back in the old Festina days mm-hmm. when some people were using the good stuff, some people weren't. Wow. So this is maybe serious accusation. This is what I'm thinking. I think this is her calling attention to what she says is someone up to no good. So alien is synonymous with panormal. Exactly. See, I thought it was l- less nefarious, but maybe that was just, I'm not so uh, attuned to this. So, I mean, I'm now, even though I brought this up, I'm going to suspend Full send, no send until further research on this because I don't know. Could be, a, I think it could be a cool nickname. The alien, the alien works for the guitarist Joe Satriani. Yeah, it's better than some of the podcasts. You, or sorry, not the podcast, the nicknames you hear at the Tour de France, you know, like Alaphilippe, Lulu, Warren Barguil, Wawa. Wawa you know, <laughs> it's at least a real yeah, word, it's, at least it's a real <laughs> nickname. So if she's giving her a cool nickname. I'm into that. All right, how much time do we have? We have a minute left. So, yep. Full send, no send, hot day, lots of miles in your legs already. Mm-hmm. You see a lake or a cool river, do you go in with your chamois or do you just pass on by because you want to avoid the squish later on? I'm I'm saying no send on full squish. No send on full squish. So you skip the, the refreshing dip. I've, I don't, I, I'm, I must confess, I've never actually, you know, ridden after swimming in bib shorts. The thought of it, just does not sound pleasant. No. Chamois are meant to be dry. As dry as possible. As dry as possible. Keep your chamois dry. Maybe go to a gas station, get a big bottle of water, and dump that over your head instead. There you go. Yeah. Stay dry out there Stay in the dry heat. in the heat. If you can't, like, it gets hot, it'll be tempting. But you know what? Pull up the old Google Maps, find a gas station. You'll be much better Splash off for it. Splash some water on your face. Yeah. Uh, there, there is uh, one of our colleagues will do this. We'll jump in with chamois. Um, but I guess we don't full send that here. Not in no, this room. Sir. Oh, we did it. Right on time. Full send, no send. If you haven't seen a Structure CycleWorks bike, you should really check it out. Maybe search online as you're listening to this. The Calgary company makes mountain bikes with a far-out linkage system for the front suspension. Web editor Terry McCall spoke to Structure CycleWorks founder and CEO Lonnie Hull about his bikes. As mountain biking design continues to evolve, one element has remained consistent through decades of change, the front suspension fork. Telescoping forks have ruled front suspension since they were introduced in the mid-1990s, and few companies have dared to challenge that convention. 
Lonnie Hall is looking to change that. The Calgary-based engineer is bringing extensive experience in the high-pressure world of motorcycle racing over to mountain bike design with Structure Cycle Works. After six years in development, the Canadian brand is ready to release two models of its very unique-looking, linkage-based dual-suspension mountain bike to the market. I caught up with Hall in Calgary to talk about why he's pushing so hard to challenge convention and why he decided Structure Cycle Works would call Calgary home. Foundation and Janus, Structure's two models, share a very unique look, one that immediately stands out from any other mountain bike. I asked Hall how much he took the bike's appearance into consideration during the design process and how he thinks that might impact the bike's success. So I have lots of different ways to view that. The, the first is, yeah, it looks different because it's doing something so differently that I couldn't make it look normal. Mm -hmm. I ride bikes with telescoping forks all the time. and. I don't dislike them, I still love them. That's why I did this, is because I love bikes. Yeah. But there's kind of this assumption that we might have done something just to be different or just to introduce a new standard, and that's not true. Um, the, the whole goal was kinematic and to make riders have another option, have, have fun, more fun on the trail. Hall is both confident in his design and aware that it looks different. To meet potential riders' expectations halfway, he's given the front linkage design the tongue-in-cheek name without telescoping fork, or WTF for short. I asked if a sense of humor was necessary when introducing a bike that looks so different. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we were at Crankworks in 2017 and revealed the design that we were heading toward with the Carbon and uh, the brand itself and we had so many people walk up and actually mouth the words, what the, uh, we just had to embrace it. So the funny thing about it was yeah, you're looking for a TLA, three-letter acronym, that applies. And we could have stretched it pretty far to get there, but it wasn't a stretch. It's just without telescoping fork, yeah, <laughs> that works. When it comes to design, the UK and European markets seem to be more open to non-traditional designs than North America. On this side of the pond, the US provides a much bigger market than Canada does. I asked Lonnie what advantages he saw that led to structure being paid based in Calgary. I thought, seriously thought about starting in the U.S., but it's not really true to where the bike was developed, and, and it's not something that I can personally be as proud of or involved in to, to have it south of the border, because this is where I live, and this is where my biking community is. So I'm, I'm happy with the Canadian origins, here in Alberta, we've never had a high-end mountain bike manufacturer. Um, we've had some different bike companies come and go over time, but I think it's, it's a really valid place to develop a bike. It's understandable that people would argue just from a business development standpoint that going where there's more happening in the bike scene would be a good idea, but that's not to say there isn't lots happening here. There, there is, in fact. Um, I also feel like it's a great place for us to ride and test product. And if you're going to break something, you will break it on Prospector and Razor's Edge. Yes. So we'll keep trying. <laughs> we, do, we do every time. Um, usually the, the person breaks first. <laughs> but I, I like being Albertan. I, I love my home. Awesome. Um, is there any advantages that people might not think of to being based in either Alberta or Canada? Yeah, I think Canada has street cred as a place for an origin of mountain bike ideas. 
and we do have some pretty inventive companies here. Not not just frame manufacturers either, but we've got VR1 and OneUp and a number of other companies that have originated here and have become quite successful. Yeah. Raceface comes to mind. Okay, that well, that alone is reason to stay Canadian because I like to be a part of that. Since the design is so different than what mountain bikers have come to expect, I asked Hall if he could give a simplified explanation of how a system is different and what advantages it provides that a telescoping fork can't. For many years, riders have come to understand that rear linkage suspension works really well. We rely on it, we understand that it's a better way to get through bumps, and so it's not that big a stretch to take what works in the rear and apply it to the front too. We've managed to match the systems so that they function very similarly, they treat the shocks very similarly, and we use, in fact, the same shocks front and rear. That's the start of the idea, so it keeps the rider really centered in the chassis, which we call the whole bike frame system. It's much less inclined to dive under braking, so again, that's with the goal of keeping you in the middle of the bike instead of over the bars. At the same time, because the, the whole front system doesn't have a, a really sticky point, it doesn't have a point that resists rotating through the suspension travel, it's always on bearings, it's very smooth. No matter what's happening with the brakes or with an impact, it's going to just rotate through the, the travel range. That makes for a bike that's more enjoyable to ride, and at the end of the day, you'll, you'll get less arm pump and upper body fatigue because there's just less energy being transmitted up through the bars. Lonnie Hull is the founder and CEO of Structure Cycle Works, which is based in Calgary. And that's the episode. It's put together by me, Matthew Piero, and Dan Walker. We had help from Matt Stetson, Terry McCall, and Philippe Tremblay. It's produced by Adam Killick. He also composed the music. Thanks to Ontario Creates for its support. Uh, Dan, if people want more Canadian cycling goodness, where where should they go? You know, there's this website. It's Ooh. called cyclingmagazine.ca. Mm. And I got to say, this month... It's been fire. It's, it's been, been some really some great stuff on there. Uh, and uh, more of you are reading it than ever before. So big ups and thank you very much. Mm-hmm. There, if you want to check out what we're doing on social, we have those links too. You got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. What don't we have, Matthew? Um, oh, the one that the kids are... All the youths and they're the youths looking at using... their memes on. Uh, yeah. What are the, the TikTok. 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 We are yeah. on TikTok, folks, but... But we're not going to dwell on that. We're, we're in some good spaces yeah. with some good stuff going on. Check it out. Um, we're also on this um, very early web um, um, protocol known as email. Uh, if you want to send us a message, that's a podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca. Uh, we're keen to hear your ideas for full send, no send. And... And if you have any questions for Coach Glassford, send those to podcast at cyclingmagazine.ca as well. It is, I hate to say, almost coming up to cross season, and the man is a skills expert. Did you? You? I didn't say it. I didn't say crypto, it. Your crypto using that ubiquitous hashtag it. in July. But I didn't use it in June. <laughs> you did? <laughs> so that makes it okay. Uh, you, you did not use a hashtag... That, that, would indi- that we've banned until August 1st to indicate 
the changing of the cycling disciplines and the season. Correct. All right. Good. Good. We, now it's like Voldemort or something. Oh, I know. Um, the season who shall not be named until it's time to name the season. Okay. And now, who should they tell about the podcast, Matthew? Oh yeah. So let's say you're out and about, and you have that friend who's enduro curious. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know. Likes to ride a lot on single track, but is not sure about this whole enduro thing. Tell them about this episode and some of the insights from our man, Matt Stetson, who did his first enduro and loved it. You know, I have a theory about why he uh, enjoyed that so much. Why? Full beard. He's a very healthy beard, our man, Matt Stetson. You do not need a beard to go enduro. I'm just saying... I think it's a high proportion of success in enduro and full beards. Oh, man, this is not science. Um, People should also please rate and review this podcast. We really appreciate that. And you should only say something nice. Please say something nice. Golden rule like in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And only rate it if it's five stars because that helps more. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you later.